new to Crossroads, sometimes what we do is we will take a topic such as the afterlife and we'll talk about heaven and hell and what the Bible has to say about those topics. And then other times we'll uh, look into a book of the Bible or a person of the Bible and study them. And so for the next several weeks, uh, we're doing just that. We are going to be looking at the life of Elisha. And so uh, don't miss any one of these four weeks as it will be an important series. I'll talk more about it as we get into it. But uh, as I was preparing for this message and thinking about it, I was thinking about how that uh, one of my favorite inventions, do you have a favorite invention? Do you have some of those that you just think, oh, I am so glad somebody made that? Huh? You got one of those? You know, uh, just where you just like, oh, so glad. Some of you are pointing to it, right? And uh, for me, one of those was uh, several years back now, but uh, the invention was caller ID. Anybody remember when that came out? Uh, because, because, listen, students, back in the Stone Age, all right. <laughs> The way to know who was calling you is you had to answer the phone. (laughs) And and there were times where you were like, oh no. (laughs) Anybody with me on that? It's like, oh, I'm gonna be here a while, you know. And, and so uh, what, what Caller ID did is it empowered you, right? Because you, you were like, hmm, not picking that one up. <laughs> or not picking up that one up today. And so it all of a sudden helped you and enabled you to know who was calling. And then you were able to do something about it. And we're going to look at the life of a prophet who figured out that God was calling, that that God was speaking to him, that he was calling him into a greater him than he would have been. And what Elisha did, and my prayer is for you today, that you will do likewise, that as God is calling, that you will hear and you will answer, that you'll answer the call that God has. And so we're going to jump into the life of Elisha. He was an Old Testament prophet. Um, He's not as popular, I don't think, as the the prophet before him, Elijah, because Elijah was a prophet of fire and did cool things like call fire down from heaven. You know, it was just awesome. And everybody watched it and saw it. And and so he was this incredible prophet. But, But he comes along in the life of Elisha. And God identifies Elisha and says, um, this, this is your next guy. This is who I'm going to use next. And I want you to go to him. And so he goes to Elisha, and we'll see this in a moment, and, and he calls him to himself. And here's the thing, is he, Elisha walks in the footsteps of Elijah. He starts walking in this guy's footsteps. And I'm telling you, it's important who you follow. 
It's important who you're following. And there may be some people you need to unfollow. There may be some people that you need to unfriend. There there may be some people that you, you need to pick a better friend. You need to pick a better example because, listen, because he picked a good example, because he picked this prophet of fire and walked after him, actually what happens, and we'll see this, is he does twice as many miracles as Elijah because of God's call on his life, because of his response to God's call. I'm talking dividing rivers so he could walk across, calling bears down out of the mountains uh, to devour his enemies. He, he uh, turned uh, poison stew in, into uh, okay stew where you, where you could eat it. He, he caused an axe head to float on the water so it could be retrieved. And even he had so much Power flowing through his life. He was so used of God. Listen to this, that even after he was buried, one day, years later, they threw another guy into his tomb, and when his body made contact with Elisha's bones, he came back to life again. I mean, that's power, right? That's power. I mean, how would you like it if your life was lived in such a powerful way that even after you're dead, you're still powerful? Mm, I I, want to be that kind of person to where even after I'm gone, it, it still has impact because of the influence. And so he lived his life in the ninth century B.C., And so this is a long time yet before Jesus is going to come on the scene, and Israel is a divided nation. There's division. There's there's all this chaos. There's 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 money issues in the in the in the nation. There's all this this confusion, and and there's poor leadership here and there, and there's just a lot of animosity, a lot of division going on, unlike we would know today, you know, it wasn't uh, calm uh, like we have today, but but in that day, there there was all kinds of division and all kinds of, uh, of stress, and in the midst of all this, God calls an ordinary man to do something extraordinary. And God just has a way of doing that. God has a way uh, of raising up people, and he does this with Elisha, that he will actually counsel with kings, that, that he will do miracles, that he will cause things to happen, that he will, he will speak on behalf of God to people. Just an incredible way that God uses this guy. And and, and we're going to see next week, don't miss next week, because next week we're going to look at how to take the next step in the journey. Because some of you are here today and you felt God move in your life and you, you felt like you've heard the voice of God, but somewhere between hearing that and making it happen, there's been a disconnect. 
And so next week's your week because we're going to talk about how to keep preparing ourselves for what God wants to pour out in our lives and how he wants to use us. And some of us need to just hear that so that we can keep going in all that God has for us. And then the next week is, again, one of my favorite weeks because we're going to talk about the widow that Elisha encounters who her excuse for not being used of God, her excuse was, I don't have enough. Nobody here has ever done that, right? I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I I don't have enough. Oh, if I was only like that person. Oh, oh, that person on my Instagram feed. If I was more like them, oh, man, that'd be awesome. And, And here's what we find is that God's not looking for you to have all the supply. He's got all the supply he needs. He's just looking for you to be used. So don't miss week week three. And then week four, if you've ever lost something and you wish you could get it back, maybe you used to have a close walk with God. Maybe uh, you lost your job. Maybe you've lost a spouse. Maybe you've lost something in your life and you wish you could get it back. The God that I serve, that we serve, is a God of restoration. He is a God that is able to take us from this point forward into much and more greater things than we ever could imagine, and he's able to do a restoration process in our life that's miraculous. So don't miss week four. All four weeks are going to be awesome, but today... We're going to look at how God calls this prophet. And and what I love is, is he wasn't a prophet when he called him. He was just this ordinary Joe. He was just an ordinary person. He wasn't the son of a prophet. He wasn't the son of a preacher. And I love that because I wasn't the son of a preacher. I was the son of a used car salesman. And so God looks around and and he doesn't get inhibited by where we've come from. Come on, somebody. It doesn't hold God back on what he's able to do. As a matter of fact, it can set God up for what he wants to do in our lives. And so in, in, in Elisha's life, he, he speaks to him, and he doesn't, he's not attended seminary, he's not hung out with monks, he's never taken a vow of silence, he, he's just lived an ordinary life. As a matter of fact, he still lives at home. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Still living at home and working on the family farm. And, and you know, it, it's because God doesn't just do great things through great people. What he does is he does great things through anyone who will trust him in a greater way. And Elisha, I believe, must have sensed something, especially on this day, that that maybe my life is meant for something greater than this. And I want to talk today to somebody that maybe is here this morning that you feel like your life is supposed to be something more. 
that maybe when you were born, God had something greater in mind than just a mundane existence of just going through the motions of life and not living life to the full, but instead, you believe that maybe God, the great God who created the heavens and the earth, could look down and see somebody just as normal and ordinary as yourself and be the right person that God wants to use in a marvelous way. Yeah. And so we're going to look at this story. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 because that's where we pick it up. And this is where Elisha comes on the scene in Elijah's life and just set this up. Uh, God's already tipped off Elijah that your time's about done uh, and, and your, your ministry's about to end, but you got to do a good handoff. And, and the handoff is about to happen, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know that this Elisha guy is the guy I've got my hand on, and I've got a plan for his life just like I had a plan for your life. And so if you don't have a Bible, don't have it handy, Let's have it on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, Elijah went up from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, which, by the way, many Bible scholars feel like that. That was pretty pretty good. If a family had had that much going on, it's, it's not like he didn't have it going on. Okay, it's not like uh, this guy's just, oh, well, yeah, at least I could be a prophet, I guess, because this is a loser life. But instead, he, he did have something going on. But, but it, he, he sensed that God maybe had something more. He, was, he himself was driving the 12th pair, and Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Kind of weird to us. But Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. Well, go back. Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elijah, Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And so we find that Elijah... Elisha, rather, is doing this plowing, and he's doing all this work, and he's following along in his father's footsteps, and he's just doing this thing, and his whole life is about oxen tail, right? And it's get up and stare at oxen tail, and, and do that all day, and then, you know, eat, eat dinner and go to bed and get up and stare at more oxen tail the next day. Life can be mundane. I was reading this week as I was studying for this message, uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick, which you may be familiar with. Uh, he uh, was talking about one of his first jobs that he ever had, and it was uh, taking care of a pet cemetery. You know, dead animals. And uh, he just was like, you know, somebody's got to do this, I guess. And, I, you know, and, and he was just trying to make the best of it. And, you know, he would listen to, 
to preachers on his Walkman. Some of you under 20 don't even know what that is. But uh, anyway, uh, you can Google it. Uh, so he would, he would listen to these cassette tapes, which you don't know what those are either. And so uh, as he would listen to all these messages, then he would allow it to get into his spirit and feed his spirit as he was doing these mundane tasks. And, and I, I remember it made me think of my first job, which was uh, cleaning the restrooms in an elementary school. Oh, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was that good <laughs> because uh, elementary boys, yeah, they, they couldn't hit the basketball rim either, you know, and so uh, it, it was just, you know, you know where I'm going with that. So anyway, uh, it was my responsibility to clean all that, get that spotless and stainless and, and sanitized and everything. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest thing. And maybe where you're at today, it's hard. It's hard. It's boring. It's monotonous work that maybe you have to do. And maybe it's just kind of like smelling oxen every day where you just feel like you're staring at oxen rear, so to speak. It's just like... Man, I'm just in this mundane, every day, the same thing, day after day, sales quotas to meet, you know, another quiz at school, another test to prepare for. We just came out of that one, and now we got to go again, and, and the same old job, the same old routine, and maybe you're a parent and your kids, you just, every day's the same kind of a thing, getting them ready for school. They don't want to go, and you got to get them ready, and, and then there's the laundry and everything else that comes along with it, and maybe in the midst of all all of that, you can lose your passion, right? You, you can lose the passion that maybe you once had, and, and perhaps uh, that's where you find yourself today. And so here, here's what happens, is that Elijah went up to Elisha, and he threw his cloak around him, it says in verse 19. He threw his mantle, one version says. And this mantle, uh, this Old Testament mantle would be like a cloak that they would wear around them and he just tosses it over on him, which again seems odd, but, but he starts calling Elijah, my father, my father. And what is this? It's a symbol of I'm calling you to be my son. I'm calling you to walk in my footsteps to walk after me, but most Bible scholars believe it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just one man speaking to another man. This is a calling from God being achieved here. This is a, God is on the caller ID, all right? And, and Elisha determines and decides, I need to pick up. I need to go ahead and pick up this mantle and take on this mantle because in our terminology, it's not just God, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon 
like a mantle. He's, he's coming upon Elisha for something bigger, something greater than just the mundane life. And I'm telling you that God today, I believe, looks down and he sees us in this room and he sees every person here and God sees a calling. God sees something more than the mundane of life. God sees something more special than what maybe you see in your everyday routine. God sees potential in your life and he sees something that can happen and the Holy Spirit of God speaks today to say to you, to say to me, hey, pick up the call. Pick up the call because I'm calling you into something bigger, something greater. And so I want you to write a couple of things down today that maybe will help you. Two principles that I believe are in this story of calling in our life. The first one is this, is full obedience. Say that with me, full obedience. I mean, it's full out crazy commitment that Elisha makes here. And I want you to know that you don't have to understand fully to obey God immediately. You don't have to understand every detail. Look at what he says in verse 20. He says, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will come with you. Notice, he doesn't have to pray about it. Hey, could I have a week? Just kind of seek God about this. Or I tell you what I like to do, Elijah, on on big things like this, I kind of like to make a list of the pros and the cons. And, and, you know, after I've, I've done that, then I can kind of weigh out what this is looking like. Or, you know, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, hey, I, I'm going to have to check in with my therapist and see, you know, what, what they say about this. He doesn't say, you know, I'm going to need more details, man. Where do you sleep? What, what kind of house do you have? What, you know, what's the bottom line on this? What kind of meals? You know, is there a meal package? Um, what about the retirement plan? Yeah, got, got that set in place? He, he doesn't ask any of those questions. Instead, it appears what he does do is he says, I'm just going to trust God on this. And I believe God is looking down today and saying, who will trust me? And here's how you know if you're trusting God is if your answer to God is always this, it's yes. Yes. Matter of fact, here's what, what, what God's really interested in, and this is when you know your faith has grown, is when you say, yes, God. Now, what's the question? Because I already know what my answer is. Hello? 
I, I already know what my answer is. It doesn't make any difference what you ask. It doesn't make any difference what your requirement is. It doesn't make any difference what it is that you're calling me to do. My answer is yes. May God give us a church full of people that we only have one answer when God is calling, and that is yes. 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 And let me tell you something. When you, when, when you say yes... You don't know if it's going to be big or small. But, but Elisha, he, he didn't know what, what's, going to, what's going to happen. He didn't know, oh, you're going to do two times as many miracles as I do. That wasn't included in the package. All he said is follow me. Just follow me. Just come after me. And God will show you these things. You know, you know, God, God's directions are often intentionally vague. Have you noticed that? How many of you, that just frustrates the life out of you? You know? It's like, God, can we have the five-year plan? Can we have, where, where's this going to be in 2025 before I commit? And God says, no, you trust me first. That's how I know it's really trust. Is when you go all in regardless. You see, I, I remember a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Abraham. And before he was named Abraham, he was called Abram. And God spoke to him and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to go and I'll tell you when you get there. And the Bible says he just packed up everything he had and went, just took off. And let me tell you something, as a result, here's what happened. He became what's known today as the father of faith. He became the father of a nation, for goodness sake. He became great in the eyes of people, but it came because he made a commitment to God when he didn't know where it was going. Now, another guy in the New Testament was Peter. And instead of, on this occasion, Jesus saying, go, Jesus says, come. And the conditions are, 12 disciples are in a boat. You remember that? How many grew up in Sunday school, right? Remember flannel graph? You know, the picture of Jesus walking on the water? You know? And Jesus is walking on the water, and, uh, and, and Peter calls out and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus says, one word, come. And Reinhard Bunke, who's a preacher that has preached to more people in Africa probably than any person ever, uh, he said that what Peter did is he didn't walk on the water he walked on the word. Because if Jesus hadn't said the word, he would have never been able to do it. But he said the word, come. And I believe all 12 could have with that word. But only one took him at his word and stepped out of the boat 
and walked on water. And see, he didn't know what was going to happen. And he, Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he already determined, I'm going to pull this guy out. He, he's not going to make it to me, but he's going to try, and I'm going to give him A for effort, and I'm going to pull him out. And let me tell you something. God's looking for effort today. God's still looking for people who will step out of the boat. God's still looking for people who will go when they don't even know where it's going to take them, who will just hear the word of the Lord, and they will respond to it, and they'll just say, my caller ID says it's God, and I've got to go. I've got to do it. I've got to obey. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I've just got to obey him. See, God will speak to us. And, and for some of us here, here's some of the stuff he'll say. You may be praying over your marriage and God's saying, stay. And that may not be the answer you were looking for. Or, or you're praying over your health and you're saying, God, I need healing today. And God's saying, no, I've got a word for you, trust. Just trust me. And maybe you have an idea, and you're like, oh, I've got this idea, I'm not sure what I should do with it, and God's word to you is start, get started. Or maybe you're looking at the church, and you're saying, you know, that's a cool story about that lady who got involved and everything, now she loves it and all, and I'm not sure about it, and God's word to you is, yeah, you commit, commit, make a commitment, quit floundering around. Or maybe you're praying about children and God's word to you is adopt. Or maybe you've been in a series of bad dating and God's saying, get away from that guy. You know, move on. I've got something better, something more for you. And so what happens is some of you today, you've just got to do a crazy commitment to God's call on your life. Just just going all in because I'm telling you, God has a greater call than you can find anywhere else in this world. God has something more for you. Something more. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's got something more. God's got something more. He does. So you don't have to understand it fully to obey it immediately so it's full obedience and here's the second word is full release say that with me full release you see God uses people the most who will hang on to things the least let let me put it this way God uses the most the ones who will hold on the least the least. They'll just hold on the least. Because look at this, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21. It says, so Elisha left him and went back and he took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Notice this, he slaughtered the oxen. In other words, I'm not going back. To which a lot of people say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. don't get too crazy. Woo. 
Wow, that's radical. Yeah? Might want to leave a safety net. Might want to have something to go back to. And Elisha is saying, no, God is on the phone. God is calling me, he's speaking to me, and, and he does this ceremonial sacrifice, which there's no way he could get away with that in our culture today, but, but he does that, and in that culture, it was normal. Because it wasn't just religious people in the Bible that did these kind of sacrifices, it was even people from pagan religions that would do this. And so people knew, this guy's serious. This guy's all in. As he makes the sacrifice and, he, and he's celebrating, I'm being called to something higher, something more, something greater. And he doesn't just make some steak, some filet mignon for his family and friends, all right? No, make no mistake about it. He is burning the plows. Not just the oxen. Well, you know, we can always get more oxen. But no, this guy's all in. This guy's all in. And, and he just gives everything. And I'm, as I'm reading this, and as I'm preaching this today, my prayer is, God, give us some plow-burning faith in this church. Amen. Some plow-burning faith that just says, you know, when God calls, all I can do is say yes. I'm all in, and it doesn't make any difference how much it costs. And, and, and when we do that, listen, when, when, when God's leading you, it's, it's powerful. But here's, here's the thing. You need to know it's God leading you, okay? Don't you go out of here and quit your job tomorrow and say, Pastor Craig said, burn the plow. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. I didn't like it here anyway. Didn't like any of you, you know? I'm out of here. No. Uh, you, you need to know that the whole... Don't be blaming me for your problems, all right? <laughs> Using me as a scapegoat. But when you know that you know that you know... Listen, a, a prophet who's called fire from heaven shows up at your house and puts his cloak around your neck, you know something's up. And I'm talking about when you know that you know that you know that it's God speaking to you. I've known people, listen to this, I've known people who were everyday ordinary people that God put his call on their life and they became a missionary. There's people we support that they weren't preachers. They were just ordinary people. And they just decided one day, I've got to move halfway around the world. That's what I've got to do. And I'm going to burn the plow, and I'm going to go for it. I was reading this week about a story of a guy who went every weekend in the summer to the lake until his kid asked him, Dad, why do we put the lake ahead of God? And he said, we sold the boat. Got rid of the boat. 
Say, I'm believing God for this year. We're getting ready for our 20th anniversary in the spring, 20 years as a church, and it's going to be exciting. But as, as we get prepared for that, at the end of this year, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up the largest missions offering we've ever taken up as a church, ever in the history. We're, we're going to receive money for India for what I went over and experienced of the human trafficking that goes on and the rescuing, the incredible rescuing that happens. And God's going to help us and we're going to raise at least $25,000 toward that project and it's going to get doubled so it's at least $50,000. Could be, could be more than that. And there's other, pro- and here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to do it. There's 50 of us. I'm not going to leave myself out, okay? 50 of us that are going to give $1,000 next month on December 8th. And, and some of us that may be like, whoa, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if I can do that. You know, and I, I, let me tell you something. It's not like, oh, yeah, there's that 1,000 laying around in the house, you know, <laughs> okay? But, but I believe in going all in. And I've never gone all in with God, but what God didn't give something better on the other end, all right? So, and I'm not saying you'll get rich or whatever you give, but I'm telling you, you'll never, you'll never regret giving to God, and especially for a cause as big as this. And so if 50 of us give 1,000, and 50 of us give 750, and 50 of us give 500, and 50 of us give 250, and 50 of us give 100, we, we can just do something we've never done before, all right? And we not only want to reach India, we want to reach Indiana, too. And so we're going to do some things and, and broadcast these services and go some places that, that we've never gone before, and it's going to be because people stepped up. See, I can still remember meeting in the movie theater and people leaving their multi-million dollar church to come be a part of Crossroads Church. And I I can remember some of those people stretching a banner out between the pillars at Regal Shiloh Crossing Cinema to turn Regal into Crossroads Church every Sunday. And and gladly do that having left behind their multi-million dollar building that they used to meet in so that they could be a part of a dream. And, and a vision that God had given. And see, it, it's not just them. I, I remember when God tapped on our hearts. Look, let me tell you something. I was happy where I was at. I, I was not unhappy. I was not looking. I, I was content where I was. And, and we had just redecorated our, our new home that we had moved into. How many know that that's when God calls you, Right? <laughs> Is like now that you've done all that, let's see. And, and so, so I'm not redecorating the house I'm in now. So I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But, but God, God tapped on our shoulder. We weren't looking. We weren't trying to get somewhere else. We weren't trying to do something else. But, but God, we knew it was God. And let me tell you something. All I knew was I was going to take a huge pay cut to come to Avon, Indiana from where I was. Did I mention I was happy? <laughs> I was happy. It was all good. But I knew. And let me tell you something. I didn't know. There was no guarantee of what God would do. 
There's no guarantee that this church would even make it past the first year. There's no guarantee that anything would happen. But here we are nearly 20 years later with hundreds of people being reached, hundreds of people being baptized, hundreds of people being changed, hundreds of people being ministered to, and the gospel going all around the world through missionary support and about to go on our best year yet. Yeah. You can't go toward your destiny till you let go of your security. And so what you've got to do is you've got to be willing to say, you know what, I I, want to do what God wants me to do. Let me tell you something, most people want to do the kind of things Elisha did without having to go through the things Elisha had to go through. And it just doesn't work like that. You see, the greater the calling, the greater the cost. The greater the calling, the the greater the cost. And and so your great call will cost. It, It will have a great cost to it. But I'm telling you, the cost is not as great as the cost is to not follow God. That's a higher price to pay. Let me read something because some of you may say, well, what's Jesus got to say about that? Let's look because it reminds me of something Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. He says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. You see, God's call is so great that that he, it demands us to have a great release. And I remember growing up in church and singing a song. Some of you remember it. It, it was a hymn that we sang and the chorus went, I surrender all. All to thee. We used to sing in the King James Version. Okay. All to thee. My blessed Savior, I surrender all. It's a very simple chorus, but it's so powerful because if you'll do it, if you do that thing, if you, if you wouldn't just sing it, if you wouldn't just sing along, if you wouldn't just sing the lyrics, but you'd actually live it and live it out you can't imagine what God might do. You can't imagine what would happen if you would just take the call today, if you would just pick it up, if you would just hear from God, if the Holy Spirit could just speak into your heart and in your life, because God never intended for any of us to just play it safe. That's not God's design for you or for me. Instead, you were made for more. You were made for more. You are made for more than the mundane. You are made for more than just stepping after oxen, so to speak. You were made for more than just stepping in oxen exhaust, so to speak, okay? 
You, you were made for more than just trudging along in life and every day seeming mundane to you. You were made for the miraculous, for God to do something special, something so astounding that people say, who is that guy? Who is that girl? How do they get used like that? And nothing in you makes the difference. It's all about him. So he gets all the glory from it. You were made for more. So my prayer is take the call. Would you just take the call? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do call and you're calling now. You're reaching out to us, Holy Spirit, and speaking into our hearts and lives. And maybe there's some of you that are here today that you'd say, Craig, I, I think I'm guilty of playing it safe. I, I think that my life is more boring than it ought to be. That's lacking in the miraculous. And I don't, I don't want to miss what God has for me. I, I, I don't want to miss out on the call. I don't want to miss out on the, the power of living in the purpose of God. And so if you're here today and you say, Craig, I, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. And, and if he's calling me today, I want to identify that and I want to say yes, yes, yes to God. I will follow. I surrender all. If that's your prayer and your heart's desire is to follow him and to see his miracles happen in your life, will you just raise a hand toward God right now? Yeah, yeah, wow. All over this room, hands going up. Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised. God, you are the God of miracles. And you, I know you use ordinary people. I know you use people that the world would pass by. And it's because you get all the glory from it. So God, today, we just lift our hands and we, we say, God, use me. We don't want to miss out on anything that you have. We, we don't want to get into the mundane when we could live in the miraculous. So God, we want to follow in your steps. We want to, we want to take the call and we want to say yes to you maybe others of you while we're still praying Jesus would say to you today he would say hey follow me just like he did to the disciples he'd walk by and they'd be fishing and he'd say hey come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men and they left their nets immediately, the Bible says, and went after him. They didn't know theology. They didn't know who Jesus really was. They didn't have the universe all figured out. All their questions about the universe weren't answered, but all they knew was, I want to follow him. 
If you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I, I don't know all the answers and I, I don't know everything about Jesus and I'm not even all that sure about everything, but, but what I do know is, is I want to follow him. And maybe you want to follow him again because you used to follow him, but somehow you got off track and got off course. And so today you want to come back to following. Or maybe for some of you, you've never really given him a try. And I'm just asking you, and I believe he's asking you, just try it. Just try me. Just follow me. Just follow me between now and Christmas and see what happens. Just see if your life doesn't get better. Just see if it's not more meaningful. See if I don't show myself in different ways in your life. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, Craig, I want to try that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to start today. Will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Over here, all around this room today, people are stepping up to follow Jesus. Your life is not going to be the same again. Several hands all over this room. So church family, pray this prayer with those who raised their hand. And I'm telling you, if you raised your hand, I, I'm just going to help you to pray a prayer to God. And, and, and this will just be the start of coming after him and following after him. But it can be the beginning. Let's just pray with me. Come on, church family. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe his sacrifice paid for all my sin and I know I've sinned but I want to start over so I ask you to wash away my past give me a new beginning from this day forward as much as I know how I want to follow you thank you for coming into my life thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit Lead me, guide me, and I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody. Give God praise.